I'm Richard Dodd, and you're listening to the Ecology Academy podcast. This is a show where we get to talk and learn about all things ecological, including interviews with top ecologists, both employers and employees, those working with ecologists, and also aspiring and inspiring career-seeking individuals setting out to make a difference. The show aims to provide you with insights, advice, and inspiration to help you succeed and excel as an effective ecologist and to make a real difference to our natural environment. Hi there, and a happy new year to you all, and welcome to the first episode of 2024 on the Ecology Academy podcast. If it's your first time here, you're very much welcome, and there are 30 plus episodes to go and enjoy. And if you're unsure where to start, if you want to send an email to myself, you know, hello at ecologyacademy.co.uk, I can point you in the right direction. Just say what you're sort of interested in. I can signpost you there. Although, there, as I say, there are about 30 odd episodes there, so it's, the navigation shouldn't take too long. There are what this is a mixture of interviews. The, the podcast is a mixture of interviews and also my own personal sort of thoughts as well. As a an employer of an ecological consultancy based in the United Kingdom. So my name is Richard Dodd, and welcome to the Ecology Academy podcast. Now on this episode, it's the first one of the year, 2024, and you you probably can, can't fail to see all around you job advertisements everywhere so recruitment is a big thing at the moment whether you're an employer or whether you're looking for that new role or whether you're looking for your first role as an ecological consultant or any sort of environmental professional this episode is going to be brilliant for you so really really packed with sort of um, tips for employers and also an understanding from an employee's and prospective employee's point of view of sort of the process we go through as recruiters, you know, looking for the right sort of candidates. So in this episode, I'm going to focus, it's just me, I'm just going to focus upon how to maximise the hire of an ideal candidate and why that's important. And then we'll also look about how to avoid or minimise biases um, during the recruitment process because, as we all know, it, it, the, the whole recruitment process can be full of those biases there, you know, whether it be intentional or unintentional, hopefully unintentional, um, but hopefully just if you are aware of some of the biases, it helps you to just try to uh, avoid those. And also we're going to look at if recruitment goes badly, <laughs> hopefully it won't for you, but if it does go badly, what sort of things you could learn from, you know, in terms of taking that forward, learn from the mistakes and how to rectify them going forward. So hopefully you won't make a bad hire in the future. Now, there's no guarantee you're going to make a, a bad hire because the whole recruitment process is a little bit about, it, it is it is sales. You know, you as an employer, you're selling your company or yourself to attract talent to, to, to your company so you can make a person can deliver a particular service um, and that, that aligns with maybe your mission, your company values and so forth. And equally so, if you are looking for a job, you're also selling yourself. You want to be employed. You want to be employable. You want to say the right thing. So there are, there are two angles to take here, you know, that the employer is probably doing their best to attract you. And also as, an, as a potential employee, you're trying to do your best to, you know, come across as authentic and, uh, you know, the, the fit for that company itself. So there's going to be some sort of... Um, you know, um, you know, uh, challenges going on there at both ends. So first of all, I'm going to look at sort of how, as an employer like myself, I say I've been in recruiting 
ecologists and non-ecologists in terms of um, um, practice managers and um, sales and marketing and uh, and so forth uh, within uh, the company and also external hires you know looking at um, you know HR consultants IT consultants health and safety consultants it's all part of the same process how do you vet these sort of people but we're going to concentrate upon I suppose the external recruitment market uh, how we're going to attract uh, a candidate to come to us um, from uh, from an external source, um, but also just be bear in mind that um, let's not forget our internal candidates. You know, there may be there probably are more suitable can internal candidates within your midst um, that uh, you could actually recruit from. So do not forget that your internal people, you know, to bring forward. Um, rather than actually just going for external, because it is a lengthy process. So let's look about how we can maximise the hire of an ideal candidate. Okay, so the first part is even before you even put that advert out, even before you put the job description to go out, do you need that role? What is the need for that role? Looking at the strategic element behind that. So it's planning for it. It's, I mean, if you're by yourself, if you're a sole trader and you're going hiring your first employee, for instance, it's identifying, okay, what do I need this person to do or these people to do? What is the role they're going to be um, take, participating in? Um, is it needed? Do I need it now? Um, what training and development will they need? What support? What equipment? Um, can we afford to hire this person now? Can we afford not to hire someone now as well? So it's all those different elements that you need to consider before even put that job description together, go to the market and try to find that person. Okay, so it's assessing your current team or your you know your, your current team's capabilities and identifying those gaps. It's forecasting business needs as well. So what areas of your business that you either may serve or underrepresent or maybe don't represent at all that you would like to get into? So biodiversity net gain in 2024 is clearly going to be huge. And so you're probably going to be wanting someone with either those skills or offering that service to your customer, your clients. And you may need to bring in someone that either has those skills, as I say, or if they don't, how you can develop together to develop the right skills, the offering them for the, you know, to serve your clients well. So I'm making sure that any new hire aligns with um, your vision, your, your business plan, shall we say. You also need to define the scope, responsibilities and the impacts of the new role as well. So how if you've got an existing workforce, how will that new person fit in? You know, what what oh no, what I say, what resources do they need to in order to not just to do their work, but thrive in your environment, in your role as well. And also it's that critical mass. You may be comfortable uh, with working with five or six people, then all of a sudden you hire an extra couple of people. And it goes through, okay, well, how are we going to administer and or manage these people? Who's going to do the management uh, aspects of this? Who's going to be their line manager? Who's going to be their first point of contact? Who's going to train them? You know, because it may be you as the sole owner, there may be the managing director or, um, you know, the principal ecologist within your company. But it could be that, actually, you know, if there's no one there to train them. So you have made us take a step backwards, thinking, how am I going to support these people? Because recruitment is one part, but actually keeping 
a person within your company is critical because recruitment process is lengthy, it's time consuming, it's expensive. You wanna make sure you get it as right as you can. And I say, hence maximizing the, the hire uh, at this stage. So think about the need for the role. It's not just a question of, we need some, some boots on the ground, let's go and get them. Okay, so you decided that there is a need for the role, you've got the resources, you know what they are, they know what they're gonna be doing. Okay, so let's define the role, let's create the job description, because this is another pitfall that a lot of employers like myself have fallen into, that we've just rehashed out a job description that was there uh, a couple of years ago, and it may not be fit for purpose. We've left in things that were there um, from a couple of years ago. We may have changed the slight scope, the objectives. We put in the responsibilities there, but now we want them to align to key deliverables, for instance. So drafting the job description is gonna be really important to you. You wanna make sure you're attracting the right candidates to the role. Don't make it too, and you've got, as I say, it's gotta be fit for purpose. So make sure you've got the, um, the the detail in there. There's a specific, specific skills, qualifications if they're needed, experience if required. It's all there. What are you after? What can you afford uh, to, you know, to uh, offer the candidate to? Including information about your company values, your culture, because you are trying to attract someone in, especially if it's in a, a role that we know is quite difficult to obtain. Okay, so you've got to stand out as an employer to the potential candidates to draw their attention to you in order to make the next step, which is to seek out whether, well, could I fit in there, could, could I not, um, and make that uh, evaluation. So making sure that your culture and values is part of that recruitment process in the job description. Also, you're gonna state your clear objectives and potential career progression paths as well. So candidates, so, you know, as an employer, we should recognize that, you know, as an employee myself too, that, you know, it's not just here and now, but where, where, what, where does my career fit in within the next year, two years? Is this a seasonal role? Is there opportunity to actually progress, you know, become a full-time employee? If it is uh, your first role as an assistant, maybe a junior member of the team, what are the options for you as you develop your career? So putting all that together, it's an offering from the employer, employer um, to the candidate to make sure you've got the detailed job description and crafted that, going over it, maybe getting a review from someone, uh, different inputs, looking at a career coach to help you to hone that in a good a second pair of eyes would be is actually invaluable you want to make this offering really you know get the, the best out of it maximize the value right okay you've drafted that and it sounds so easy doesn't it you know this will probably take a, a couple of you know iterations and uh, reiterations so making sure that you get it right is correct so the next uh, next part is advertising the role where do you go now, if you've got a website, clearly you're going to put it on there. Um, you may be using social media channels, you know, making sure that you're attracting the right sort of people. If it's a technical, ecological, environmental route, you're probably going to go to the, the right sort of um, social platforms where those people sort of hang out, you know, so where they where it's going to get the most sort of views, most eyeballs on, on that sort of uh, um, the job advert itself. Do you go to um, a... a, a job sites such as in environment jobs, CGS online, and so forth, all these places you know, where you will have to pay for the job advert itself. Now, that's a decision you will have to make. We've done both, you know, you, obviously you'll do all of these together if you want to maximize the number of returns, but if it's for a role which is pretty 
niche and also you know you're going to get a limited number of applications you may want to cast your net a little bit wider um, but also targeted quite specifically so in job sites you can go on to to advertise there so make sure you've got the right job sites you're going to now if that's an option to you you may have to go to a recruitment agency and I'm sure there's recruitment agencies you know shouting what about us you know we can really help and they can um, and it depends upon the role you know so we've had roles coming in through recruitment agencies um, but you know there's nothing better than recruitment yourself but it, it, it's a time it's a it's a trade-off so if you haven't got the time and also that that network you may want to go to a recruitment agency who will do their utmost to actually get that role to you and they probably you probably receive thousands or at least you know tens if not in hundreds of applications and potential cvs from these recruiters already so you probably know some already so make sure you advertise the role right on this industry industry specific platforms um and i say just and also engage with the, the your candidates as well it's not just a question of putting it out and leaving it and see what comes back you may have to interact engage ask uh, uh, answer questions that are posted there um invite other people to share your posts and um, you know talk and it may be inviting people to you know have a, hold a discussion about what's this company like to work for you know and they'll do their own research and if you are a, a potential employee clearly you know this is you know they've, they've cast the net it's now up to you whether you decide to go with them or not and not not now is the brand does the branding look good the culture does it all match up does it are there any irregularities there that doesn't you know inconsistencies um that don't ma don't match up so as an employee you want to make sure you, you minimize those or avoid them completely and that as a potential candidate you want to make sure that it does seem genuine and also that um, you know, there is that offering there that you can see yourself working in there for the given period or actually opportunities to move on. So that's advertising the role. Once that role's gone, you know, and also I'll just say about also the length of time. So as an employer, you know, you'd want to make sure that, you know, if you're going to receive hundreds of applications, maybe for the, the, an entry role, you may want to limit the window of opportunity to maybe a couple of weeks, a month, maybe tops, uh, but maybe for, for more senior roles, more role, the whole roles that are difficult to fill you're probably going to cash your net further and also extend that deadline maybe a two-month window of opportunity for advertising the role you may have to go to different channels you may be a reiteration you will gauge the number of applications coming in and you can either turn on or turn off certain taps uh, during that process itself so this area is going to be quite yes role specific shall we say and, and equally so, you know, um, you know, you want feedback. So if it's your first time of advertising, you want to know where to, if, especially if you paid, where does that value go? You know, what's your return of investment? So if you get zero hits off a particular site, you may not want to go there again. Um, equally so, it could be just the type of role you put in. I mean, maybe review your your description does it going back to those other points does it meet the need and also have you has the job description been accurately outlaid um okay so the next role you've advertised it you've got some applicants coming through now you should do some screening and shortlisting now every company is going to be different and every employer is going to be doing it differently here and again all these areas i mentioned are full of bias <laughs> so you know where would be hopefully it's unconscious bias but uh, you know uh, but it's bias nonetheless so what so screening can be quite subjective so you want to put a bit of objectivity into there 
So using a standardized process to reviewing applications to ensure fairness is going to be one of your top priorities here. And clearly you've thought about this before, right at the very start of the process, how you're going to be doing that. You're going to shortlist candidates based on a mix of qualifications, experience, and potential cultural fit. So again, you know, it's just because you don't want everyone who's a robot and mimics exactly the same people as you within your company. You may want to do that, but you know, in terms of inclusivity and also diversity, you know, innovation. People bring new ideas in. You want a bit of a mix of people there and ideas. All right, not to, uh, yeah, yeah. So you want to make sure you got that in there. So. Take that into consideration. Um, you, you may also want to consider using a blind recruitment technique to reduce unconscious bias. You know, this is a, that maybe someone blanks out the names, um, puts them into a um, you know a standardised format, for instance. You know, every single CV, if, if you're using a CV as a recruitment method, is exactly the same. The wording will be different. Okay, so you're going on what's on down on the paper. So you're removing a slight bias in terms of names. Um, and, and all those other areas of bias uh, that come into it too. So that's going to be a critical process. And I say it's riddled with biases. Um, it's, 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 I think it comes down to experience. It's if you're a recruiter, for instance, um, that you're going to go through trying to find the best method to actually extract these. Now, if you're in one way lucky or unlucky that you get only a small number, you have to make a decision. Am I going to offer this person an interview or get to the next stage, shall we say, or a screening um, based upon their application? You know, are you are you so desperate you'll, you'll accept anyone? Or is it that there's a poor lot of candidates coming through? What do I do now? Do I go to re-advertise or do I actually rethink my sort of strategy? Do I rethink my position here? Because that certainly will happen. That's certainly what we've we've encountered when it comes to senior roles. We've had some positions come, we've had some candidates come forward, but they haven't quite met the mark. Uh, they haven't, you know, what we're looking for at the advertisement stage. So there's no point just extending this, inviting people to for an interview when you know they're gonna they're not sort of the candidate you're after. It's waste their time, waste your time. Okay, so you've got to make a decision. Do I re-advertise, do I pull the post, or do I reevaluate the strategy? What do I need to do? You know, so maybe if you've gone to uh, social media channels, you may want to start to pay advertisements or actually recruitment agency. You know, it's re-evaluating that process. But once you've screened them, you've got down to the candidates. Now you've got to decide whether it's one, three, five people you're going to interview. What's the interview proce uh, process going to be like? Uh, so conducting the interviews and assessments is going to be in a controlled environment. You know, wherever that be, out in the field, you can do walk, you know, Walking interviews, making sure that um, you know, that, you know, I think those are really good ones. That you, know, you can actually gauge a person; they're more honest as you go there, uh, walk alongside someone. They provide, you know, it's that lack of eye contact. People feel a little bit more secure. You know, don't have to. It's not in a stressful environment. Um, but clearly, majority of interviews and assessments are inside a building of some sort so you know or, or online uh, increasingly now so you've got to prepare for that um, so have you got the right technology this is from an employer's point of view have you got the right technology what happens if your broadband goes down what happens if their internet connection goes down how are you going to um, are you going to record it? How are you going to record it? How long do you keep those recordings for in under GDPR, for instance? And also the questions you're going to ask. So are, what sort of questions? How long is the process going to go on for? 
Um, and again, it's got to be standardized techniques to avoid that bias, uh, that those biases really. So you may want to include a practical test, you know, if relevant, you know, maybe species ID, whether you plant, you know, botanical, whether it be uh, you know, species led, you want to check those references as you go along. And also, who sits on that panel? Who is in your interview team? Is it just one person? Is it just you? Or have you invited maybe a second person along, maybe a th three other people? Do you then walk them through the office or uh, to introduce them to other people and maybe have them uh, ask them questions as they go along? So all this has been mapped out. Um, but a diverse panel certainly helps. It helps spread the load. Uh, people ask different questions, or even the same question, they may ask it in a different way. Um, so you know, it's, these things can actually help. So you've conducted the interviews and the assessments. You've whittled it down now. You've got your ideal, ideal candidate. You've invited. You've offered them the position, and they've accepted. All right, and you've also informed the other candidates that unfortunately at this at this moment in time your your application was unsuccessful. We wish you all the best in the future, and you may provide feedback. In fact, I would advise you to provide feedback because they've taken the decency to take time out of their day to travel to you to your site, for instance, or maybe spend time with you online. And I think providing feedback is going to really help. Um, with your brand, you know, you don't want to be a brand that just is cold and they go, oh, okay, they're just using us really and then you get no feedback. It doesn't help, it doesn't help you as an employer, your brand, it doesn't help the uh, um, the candidate because they want to know, well, what do we need to do better next time? Or at least they should want to know what to improve upon in the, in the, in the next instance. Uh, and equally so, you want to keep on good terms with them because if your ideal candidate, the one you've offered to, who's accepted, at a later stage, backs out, and we'll come on to sort of uh, the you know what if something goes badly, you know, uh, oh, you kept on good terms with those people. You've got maybe hopefully an option to go back to them and go, do you know what it didn't work out with number one, and you, you got to phrase it the right way, it didn't work out uh, with that previous candidate, but you know the vacancy is still here. Would you like to be uh, considered for the role? We'd very much like you to join the interview process. So. It, it, it pays dividends just to make sure that you are keeping on board with the candidates that didn't quite make the first cut. So once you've got that candidate there, ideal candidate, okay, next thing is to do your reference checks. So uh, making sure, and it's, and I think this is one thing that, again, it's a pitfall. People just go, oh, yeah, come in, start next Tuesday, blah, 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 blah you know, uh, and off you go. Uh, when really you should really use that opportunity to have a, uh, a cooling off period, should we say? So the candidate can go, have I made the right decision? Because there's nothing, I mean, we, we've been, I, I tell you what, the recruitment process is really stressful because even if you've gone through all this process, you've got the candidates, you've got the ideal one, there's no guarantee that they will turn up on their first day. You know, even if you kept checked in a week before, go, yeah, I'm coming, yeah, no problem at all, see you, what is it, what do I wear? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, we've had people who just did not turn up on day one, rude, uh, and uh, you know it's like phoning it. Oh, sorry, I didn't know how to say that. I've just got another offer, or actually, it's not the right time for me. Um, you know, so it, it's quite stressful. So making sure you do your background checks is going to be critical there. Check, uh, making sure you get those references. Do check them out. They're pretty vague, I'm afraid. I mean, this is one thing that really bugs me is that you know um, you know we're trying to find the right candidate and if there's a previous employer or a referee for instance and uh, some of the previous employees will just go yep this is what they did and that's it you know they just yes they worked for us that really is it's not a great 
background check. Um, but it's all we have to go for. So I'd probably encourage employers to write a little bit more about the person and go, yeah, they're a great person, they're fantastic, um, you know, and uh, we wish you well. You know, if the opportunity arose, you know, we'd have them back. You know, we stand out, we send out a form to the referees uh, asking the different questions. Most of the time, <laughs> they come back with their own forms and going, you know, we don't, we don't fill in other people's up, uh, reference check forms. Here's our own. And there you go. So as an employer, it's really frustrating, but it's what you go with. So try to maybe ask a little bit more information and get that those references. Equally so, check up on the academic qualifications if you, they're required, professional certifications, the licenses, all those things. It's your time to make sure this person is genuine, you know, because they've come across the interview really, really well. The application form was excellent. Um, but now is your time to double check that because it... Hire slow and fire fast is uh, the rule that, that, that we, we come across. And it uh, sounds mean, but as an employer, you want to do that. You want to make sure that you're hiring the right person because you do want to spend another three, six months trying to find another candidate. So reference checks, validation checks, extremely important. Okay. Um, and then I say you, you made the offer. Uh, they've come on board. Okay. All, everything's been discussed. Next stage is the onboarding process. Your recruitment doesn't stop once they're on then on day one. You know, it, it, it's you've gotten this far. Now you want to keep them. So the onboarding process has to be structured. Um, there has to be an onboarding program. Who's doing what? If you're a sole, you know, if it's just you, you'll be doing everything. You know, the, the admin making sure they've got the laptop, the IT sorted. They know what they're doing. They know where the restrooms are. They know what lunch breaks are. Um, then you know, it's very daunting on day one week one, month one, with any new job. As an employer, we have to recognize that. We may, you know, we may have told them, we may go, go, this is what you do, blah, blah, blah. Here's a book, go and read it. Here's, this is our standard policies. This is, you know, any, any problems, just go and read that. That's, that's okay, but, they, but someone, it's overwhelming. People want to know um, that you may have told them, you may have to tell them three, five times. This is, it doesn't mean that this, you've hired a bad person. This is human nature. You know, this is like we will forget. And if you go to a, a brilliant play, production, music event, uh, comedy event, whatever, uh, during that time in and there, you love it, you love it, you, you know, you, you, you're talking about it, no problem. Uh, you go out there day one, week one later, you go, do you know what? I, I can't remember anything about that. I know it was good, but I can't remember any of the jokes that were told. I can't remember the set list or anything like that. So it's exactly the same with it don't you know? It's going to be the same with your employee, your new employee. They're going to forget things. It's not deliberate. It's, it's a lot of information to take on board. They don't want to make a mistake. They're on the, their best behaviour. So give them that opportunity to ask the question and and re-ask the same questions as well. There's no harm in it. You need to provide that right culture for them. So onboarding is going to be really, really critical. Assigning a mentor or a buddy for a new hire is fantastic. Take them out for lunch. Um, you know, regularly check in with the new employee, asking, you know, addressing their concerns. And this may go on for, let's say, it's certainly obviously day one, week one, month one. But the next stage is your probationary period. How long is it? I would say a minimum of three, probably six. I, I we usually well we go for six months uh, probationary period. And why is that? I think it's a bit long. No one's really themselves within the first couple of months. Probably no one's really themselves during the first three months. So that, that's the reason why we say six months. You you need to find out about them. They need to find out about you. 
And then you get this build this, this picture. There's no guarantee, but then you build this picture. Actually, you know, they are asking the right questions. They're getting on with the work. They are responsive. They are matching their, the criteria we put out in the job description. And even more so, you know, they're a brilliant cultural fit. But equally so, gives you the opportunity to go identify, well, oh, right, well, you know, they're slightly coming in late after week, after month three, or they didn't quite turn up for this event, or they weren't on top four, even though we prepped them and they reiterated. So you've got to investigate that. So probationary period is extremely important. You've got to set those clear objectives, expectations of the probationary period. Offer regular feedback and support them um, throughout their career and making sure uh, throughout this period, making sure they adjust and grow with you as a company. And also, at each stage, you're going to conduct a formal review. It has to be a formal review at the end of the probationary period to assess their performance and fit. You have to make a decision, are, is this person, because after six months, you have to have a real good reason why you're extending the probationary period. There may be concerns. If that is a concern, you could extend it. Okay, I would seek HR advice uh, whether you need to extend uh, a probationary period. Okay, uh, you know we've we've done it I think once in our past uh, because maybe it's complex role and or a senior role we want to make sure that it was right for the right person and there was a little bit of alarm bells but that could be a bad onboarding process so we may have extended that one but the majority of the time you've got a good idea whether or not that person is right for you within the first six months. Okay, and clearly you know once the probation period ends there's the post probation integration now they're going to relax and you may notice some changes once they've got their contracts fully signed now and they are out of probationary period you still want to keep an eye on performance it doesn't matter how long a person's been in their job you want to make sure that the performance is still there so after successful probation you want to fully integrate them that employee into the team making sure that uh, you know there's there's check-ins doing your quarterly appraisals annual appraisals whatever time frame you got there discuss their long-term career aspirations and opportunities within the company and continue to provide that support and regular performance reviews. I think this is all good practice. Uh, if you haven't got that, I should write it down. I'll put this into the show notes so you just got an idea about what we do in terms of, uh, as I say, uh, in terms of the recru- uh, recruitment process and uh, getting the best candidate. Now, I just want to turn my attention quickly up on biases how to avoid or minimize biases at each stage of that hiring process so it's you know similar stages there so first of all identifying the need for the new role so you want to involve a diverse group of stakeholders and people to to assess to decide whether you're going to create a new role um, and how that's based you know how, why do you need it and get a range of perspectives so that's the first part to avoid that so are you hiring for the right reason? And focus on the business needs and how that aligns with your organize, organizational objectives rather than your personal preferences. Oh, I think we're overwhelmed. Uh, you know, we need to get some more people in. Let's bring those people in. Yeah, uh, you know, um, we go back to the, uh, the original people. Uh, you know, make sure you've got a couple of voices there to go, are you sure? You know, that's, I think we're just reacting in an Egypt reaction. We, we, we need someone, but, I, I, you know, can we afford it? Are they going to do the right job? Is it a profitable job? So making sure you've got some, a, a couple of people challenging the decision maker there. So make sure it is a, you know, if you, you're lucky enough to have a consensus, you know, get that consensus at, at the right at the start. Going on to the job description, 
using neutral, inclusive language to avoid gender or cultural biases is clearly going to be um, one thing you're going to be doing. Focus on the essential skills and qualifications to avoid setting unrealistic or biased criteria. Going back to that, do they need a degree? To rip, lift up the reptile sheet. <laughs> Did they need a driving license? Uh, is it something that you could provide? Are you missing out on some people who are maybe they can't afford to drive in essence because they've gone from university or or a different background and they, they haven't had an opportunity to obtain that driving license and you're excluding them straight away based on a piece of paper that says you can drive, you know? Um, but you know, is it something you could offer? You know, they've got the other, they've got all the other skills. Maybe you could work that around. So focus on the essential skills qualifications uh, uh, rather than just uh, unrealistic ones. And consider using some sort of software. AI is clearly entering into this market um, that can help you remove some of those biases. Uh, so use use technology where you can. On the advertising, the role cut out in some biases, place the adverts in a variety of mediums uh, and areas to, to, I say, to reach a diverse audience, avoid language or imagery that may unconsciously appeal to more, or, uh, more to certain groups, okay? So, you know, the, the language we use, the images we use, just be careful of what you do there if you want to attract a diverse audience and to uh, say that with that bias and state your commitment to diversity and inclusivity, inclusivity with the adverts. If in your values you value uh, you know, inclusivity and diversity, spell it out. Just Don't just, put, just write the blank statements. Demonstrate how you are integrated, uh, uh, how diversity is included within your, your organization, your company. When we're screening and shortlisting candidates, we want to implement those blind recruitment practices, as mentioned, using standardized criteria. And also, and more important, this is, I think this is a big thing, training the interview team or the, uh, the whole recruitment team about their body language, about the, the sort of questions they ask, how about screening, to, just to ensure that, you know, that, you know, that, that um, the questions they ask are unbiased, you know, so, um, you know, and there's, there's no sort of a loose links there, uh, really, throughout the, the, the shortlisting process. And also, when it comes to, to conducting the interviews and assessments, Again, there's standard in interview questions include diverse interview panel as well, and again, there's training those the, the the interviewers themselves. Reference checks, standardized reference check questions that get asked to everyone, not just certain people. Uh, and but be aware of the potential for biased feedback from referees and weigh it accordingly as well. So some people may be desperate to get rid of someone, <laughs> so you need to you need to cut through that and find, identify that. Uh, it could be that you know the referees you've identified. You know it may be that the the person, the candidate has chosen them specifically that they're their best mates. Although it looks like you know a, a, an academic, you know. So it's making sure you've got um, the the right um, referees there, the references. When you make the offer, ensure that the salary offers are based on the market rates and role requirements, and not the candidate's previous salary. And this is just this will just start to avoid you know those pay inequalities. You know, there's nothing worse than going into an interview not knowing what your salary is going to be, because I think it's unfair. It's an additional pressure. So jobs should be advertised with salary, I believe. Where it's not advertised, you know, it, we shouldn't be using a previous person's salary to go. Okay, well, you were on, you were on, uh, I don't know, twenty-five thousand in your previous job. We'll offer you twenty-six. Sounds good. You know, increasing a thousand pounds when actually. Uh, when you go into the role, other candidates in there, because they've asked, are on 32 or or maybe 28. Maybe there's one at 21. Uh, you know that, that you know. So you, you, I I think 
the employer has to be aware uh, aware that um, they shouldn't really be basing the offer on the previous salary. Uh, you know, really, it should be exactly on market the role, market conditions. On um, and, and as well, be transparent on how you decided that as well. Um, so what you know, why 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 is the range this and this? You know, from here to there. Uh, that's because everyone has that. Here's our career framework uh, progression. Here's our uh, career progression framework document, and you can see it's open. It's transparent. Everyone's on this. You're here because of the X, Y, Z, and I can demonstrate it. You know, if you can demonstrate that's this one, that's brilliant. Okay, rather than going, well, you know, I just want to save a bit of money. Obviously, you're not going to say this. Uh, so we're going to put you on the lower end of the the, the band. Okay, okay. If it's your first job. You can probably expect that, but you can say, okay, well, where'd you get that figure from? Anyway, onboarding process, making sure you know, provide diversity inclusion training as part of the onboarding process and ensure that the onboarding process is consistent for all new hires. And that's difficult, especially as things change. But um, if you can make it the same, if you've got two people starting at the same time, you want their onboarding process to be the same, you know, similar uh, or the same, uh, really. So they want they want to go. Oh well, you know, candidate A had a better experience because they were they were in a different office or because there are uh, um, I don't know people got on with them a little bit more on day one. You know, it has to be fair and inclusive. Probationary period, you got it, it has to be objective. You have got to set measurable goals and um, for the probation period, regular review performance uh, against those goals and not against subjective criteria. Do not change the goalposts as well. So stick to those. If you do need to change something, you inform that person. Okay, we say we're going to be a six-month probationary period. Um, because you haven't done this, this, and this, or we're concerned about this, 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 we're going to increase it to nine months. Okay, and take a review. And this is what we expect you at the end of the nine months. And so if you, you know, if you meet those criteria, it's, you know, it's the end of the probationary period. If not. Uh, it may be uh, the end of the, 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 the role itself. And of course, post-probation integration, encourage inclusive practices, inclusive practices within the team, and that, that making sure you continue to monitor and address any biases. Put, look out for language, look out for body language, look out for integration there. Uh, you want to stem out or stamp out um, particular practices that you want to nip it in the bud or hold those people to account. And that goes for the employee looking at the employer. You said this, your values are this and this and this, and you're going against them. You know, I think as, as a new, as any employee should be able to raise their voice there. So I think that's, you know, those are my tips for employers and and people coming in, you know, changing jobs, you know, looking at it from the, the sort of um, how to maximize value and also to, sort of how to remove that bias as during the process itself. I'm gonna wrap up. Sorry about that. <laughs> I tend to go on a little bit now. I tend to go on a little bit in these podcasts. Um, but I'm going to wrap up now. Saying if recruitment goes badly, it really does. But if recruitment goes badly, what as an employer should can I do? Okay, so you know, there's various things that could go bad. You know, as I mentioned before, the candidate doesn't turn up. You know, you know, you've offered them a job, they don't turn up on day one. What do you do? Why is the reason? Why was that? Or during the probationary period, they really changed or they went against one of your values. For instance, they did something that was a little bit strange, especially for because uh, as a as a if, during your probationary period, you're probably on your best behavior. Now, if something challenges that during the probationary period, alarms bells should ring, you know, especially if it goes against when you say your, your values. I think that's why values are important within a company, because you can spot them. You know, people, if you've got more than one employee, 
uh, and it's working well, you know, uh, they expect you to act as a, in a certain standard uh, to your principles. You're doing it, you know, they're doing it as well. So if your new employee doesn't demonstrate that, alarm bells should start to ring. Uh, equally so, um, you know, it, it could be some of a failure. So let's look at the, the different ways that, um, you know, what's it, what we should actually do. So when you conduct, so conducting a thorough review of the process, I think that's the most important part. Analyze each of those stages of the recruitment process to identify where it's deviated from your expectations. And that's the clear thing about having a plan. What do I want to do? What do I want to achieve? And how they how it's manifested. Really. So, so, so what were your expectations? If you didn't meet them, why was that? Did I expect a set too high standards? Was the job description um, not correct? Uh, um, did I just hire knee-jerk reaction? So you're looking at all the different aspects itself. Seeking feedback from the recruitment team, the candidates themselves. You know, if there's no good hires there, you know, you want to see, you know, reason why. And maybe if you're using external agencies, you know, get some feedback from them as well. Then you want to identify the specific issues, determine if the problems related to the an unclear job description, an inadequate assessment method, poor candidate experience, or other factors, and assess whether there are any legal or compliance issues during the process itself. You know, so uh, you know this is a really good opportunity to, I say, identify those the, what the real issue is, the root cause of um, maybe a bad candidate or failure at recruitment. And then, of course, you want to implement the corrective actions. You've identified them. You know, you, you conducted a review. You've identified them. You found out what the root cause is. You know, the uh, itself, and you need to you need to change your behaviour or you need to change processes. Something has to change itself. So address the issues in the review. For example, you may revise the job description. You may improve your communication with candidates or update interview and selection methods. Um, and I said, if there's any legal issues, you want to address those uh, to ensure that you're fully compliant uh, in the next round. Improve training for recruitment uh, staff as well. So you need to provide maybe, uh, you know, it maybe wasn't clear what their roles were during the recruitment process. So providing the training to include unbiased recruitment practices, effective interview techniques, legal compliance and so forth, making sure they are up to date, especially the, the lead uh, recruitment manager, should we say, you know, they make to be sure that it is UK compliance. Um, revise recruitment strategy and policies. Uh, it goes back, you know, once you've done those, you know, uh, update your recruitment policies and strategies to reflect the lessons learned and inform other people about those changes too. It's one thing making the change, but, you know, it's going to happen to um, um, uh, inform people. Uh, enhance the candidate experience. So make the application process more candidate friendly. Why didn't you get so many uh, applications before? What was it? What was it? Was it where they were posted? Is it because there was no engagements within the post? People ask questions, but no one was there to respond to it. So improve your uh, experience with the candidates there, and ensure timely, respectful communication with all candidates. You know, if you said the recruit, the interview, the closing date is on this date. And it wasn't. It was a day before, or maybe three weeks later. You know, you can see that that was miscommunicated to your candidate themselves. Interview dates set, changed. You know why? If something does change, you need to communicate that effectively. Uh, um, and, and I say, if the if the process just didn't find the right candidate, you need to re-engage with the strong the, the, the others as well. I think you need to find out. I say the reasons behind 
poor candidate selection. Strengthen your employer brand. Address those negative feedbacks straight away. Okay, so you want to cut out things or answer those questions. Go on to the social media platforms or, uh, themselves and just, uh, um, you know, just nip those in the bud, really. Enhance your employer brand through positive communication and be honest uh, for, you, for your strategies there, for your um, marketing campaign. Seek external assistance, you know, so this may be a recruiter. If internal efforts are not sufficient, you may want to go to an external HR consultant or recruitment agency and then plan for better recruitment in the future. Okay, so those are all elements I think you know will help you. But um, if there's, um, I hope that's been useful. It's been a whirlwind the past forty odd minutes are there. So we've gone through the recruitment process. I'll put all these into the show notes so you can see what um, I think uh, you know little stages you should go through in terms of looking for um, you know to maximise the the value of that the recruitment process, how to re- remove biases from the recruitment process itself. That's all for now. I'd say we'll be back next month and uh, we'll continue our interview process, uh, sorry, interview process, uh, interviews <laughs> with uh, other people in the ecology industry. Now, this is a call. If you've liked this episode, please do rate it on whichever platform you're listening to this on. It really helps us. Um, it, it really does. I mean, it's, it's so other people get to hear about it. Share it as you know, if, as much as you can. Also, provide feedback. If you didn't like this episode, what would you want us to talk about? And I say us. At the moment, it's just me. I'm really looking for a another a co-host, some uh, another person who can actually take this on, uh, provide a different voice um, to a, a wider audience, and really, um, you know, I say uh, help you become a better version of yourself throughout your career and become better employers, um, become better uh, employees, and also, of course, help our sector and ensure that we are helping biodiversity at the same time. Now, that's all for me for now. Uh, And uh, I say any feedback, hello at um, ecologyacademy.co.uk for all. uh, For now, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our show and want to help, then please click on the subscribe button and rate us on your favourite podcast player. As that's how you can inspire ecologists in the making, help retain great talent and provide insights of our industry to a much wider audience of why ecology really does matter. Thank you. And remember, learning is a lifelong endeavour. So stay curious, be adventurous and build bridges for others to cross.